What's up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to the PCS Podcast, your new home for all things competitive Pokemon. This is a new show that we're doing, uh, especially transitioning into a new competitive season. We kind of wanted to do something a little bit more uh, involved than the meta called. Uh, we are still a subsidiary of the Pokedads Network, and if you aren't listening to the Pokedads, you definitely should. Uh, I am your host, Katana TCG, a.k.a. Drew, and with me today is Justin, a.k.a. Pokebrews. Justin, what's going on, man? Uh, not much, man. Uh, just, you know, enjoying the state of Pokemon right now. How about Heck yourself? Yeah. Oh, I am fantastic. Spent my whole weekend watching Worlds. Did you do a little bit of the same? Oh, yeah, yeah. I tuned in all day Friday, uh, watched all day Saturday, and then unfortunately, actually Sunday, the finals, I didn't get to watch live, but that was because I was at my own tournament. Um, but yeah, man, it was just, I was on the edge of my seat all day. Yeah, there were some pretty exciting things transpiring. Uh, as much as people don't like watching the Palkia Mirror, I actually got a lot of enjoyment out of watching that kind of pan out, especially uh, in top eight. Yeah, there was definitely some interesting text that, you know, just threw everyone for a loop. For sure. And then, yeah, I spent most of my weekend uh, watching Worlds. Uh, I did have a tournament of my own Saturday night, traveled out of state to kind of go partake in that, which was pretty fun. But I think uh, everyone's here to listen to uh, Worlds results, man. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot to talk about, too. No, absolutely. So, Masters Division, our winner... None other than Audres Skubal. And I'm sorry if I um, pronounced your first or last name wrong, uh, but it is a Czechoslovakian player. Uh, it is definitely someone that wasn't necessarily on everybody's radar in terms of winning worlds. However, it looks like the medical that this gentleman brought in definitely had the results. What did, what did he play, man? Well, he uh, he picked up a deck that uh, a lot of people seem to have picked up, and that's uh, the Arceus Flying Pikachu. Um, but something that I have not seen until this tournament was the inclusion of the Hisuian Decidueye. Seems like it's a pretty good card. And at first, when I was reading Hisuian Decidueye V, it looked like just a, a hard Miltane counter. Like, definitely yeah. good against things like Arceus, but... Um... Yeah, at, at face, I didn't think it had much more than the potential to one-hit knockout mill tank. I, I I thought the same thing. I was like, you know, I just thought it was the exactly the, the mill tank counter, so you didn't have to run a clone or anything like that, and you know, it's still attacking. But yeah, we saw a lot more than that. Absolutely, it seemed incredibly multifaceted. And then earlier today, uh, Andres put out his list, and it seems wildly consistent. You know, very reminiscent of early Duraludon lists in the form of running a high count of stadiums and just four Marnie, four Boss, and you either turn the hands over or you're gusting for the targets that you need, um, as is. Yeah, you know, I've, I've, I like the, the, the subtle text that people put in decks, but I mean, there's just something to be said about consistency all around. I mean, and we saw obviously with Andrej winning the entire event because he had consistency. He can get what he needed pretty much when he needed it. It wasn't like, oh man, did I prize this one-off card that I need? No, he was just consistent through and through and it, it uh, showed. And I, I think in terms of being able to draw through and through, as you had mentioned, actually proved to be very viable in the mirror uh, where Andres faced uh, Daichi Shimada, who is actually a very large content creator um, in Japan. Uh, some people were comparing him to like um, 
did and oversees Azul GG in terms of uh, popularity and so on and so I, forth. I did see that. Yeah, I saw a few people tweeting that. Yeah, and uh, Daichi played Arceus flying Pikachu as well, but it was a little bit more oppressive and definitely had a couple more answers for different decks. And is there anything in, in Daichi's list that kind of stood out? Yeah, so so one thing when I'm looking over this, um, well, first thing is I like the fact that he actually plays three memory capsules instead of two. Um, I, I bet you that caught a lot of people off guard just for the pure sake that, um, you know, people think, oh, they'll scrap the two away and they're good to go. Well, he's got a third. Um, and I guess that leads me to the other part that is uh, interesting is the fact that it actually runs the Eevee and Jolteon line to turn off the, the uh, water Pokemon, um, which, you know, helped a lot because there was a lot of Palkia in this this tournament. Yeah, it, I mean, I feel like every deck was running Shady Dealings uh, to some extent, and maybe it was like a, a one last hurrah because we will not be Shady Dealing uh, in the next World Championship because it will be rotating. Uh, but this seems just super oppressive. Arceus being able to uh, get you that memory capsule if that's the one piece you're missing. Uh, the Thunderous Awakening Jolteon, I mean, as consistent as you can run it in the 2-2 line, just kind of makes sense but what i didn't know was was in the list until this photo was the addition of the one of galarian moltres v yeah so i saw that in there as well too um personally i'm not a huge fan of it in there i get why it's why it's there um the reason why i'm not a fan of it is just the pure sake that you're running paths and hoping to stick paths so it kind of shuts off its ability itself or to itself um so in that aspect, I'd kind of, since he's already running a Crobat in his list, um, I personally would have probably ran a VMAX um, just because once you get that Crobat down, now you're taking a two-prize liability. Granted, you're putting a three-prize liability out there, but it's a lot harder to one-hit KO versus, you know, someone just boss and hit it with a, a Arceus with a double turbo on it. You know, now it's a two-shot. Um, but I do like the, I, I think it's a cool inclusion, um, just not something I personally probably would have played. But I mean, obviously, he's a lot better player than I am, and he took this a lot further than I've ever gone. Yeah, certainly, and I, and I could say the same for myself, too. Uh, but the, what's missing in this Arceus Pikachu list, which I'm sure comes with the territory of running the, the Thunderous Awakening Jolteon, is the 2-2 line of Bidoof Bieberel. And I if I'm not mistaken, that was the determining factor in the finals was the inability to draw into the boss at necessary. And he's only running a three count of boss. Yeah. I, um, I actually did see, uh, or I heard that, uh, what Andres said was he's running six dead cards, granted seven, cause he's playing the third memory capsule, but six dead cards and I'm playing the barrel. And I mean, that kind of proved right at the end there. It was just like, he didn't, he didn't have the draw support that he needed. So he was kind of getting stuck in certain scenarios. Yeah, and uh, it really did come down to the tech. I'm sure Daichi did not think that they were going to be playing against the Arceus Pikachu Mirror for the World Championship <laughs> final, and I don't think any of us thought that <laughs> Arceus Pikachu, no. at least at this capacity, was going to be this successful at the World Championship. Yeah, like uh, the, the deck's good. I've personally played it myself in a big tournament, and uh, I really do enjoy it. But yeah, I, do, I did not expect it to be you know, the final two decks in the world championship. That's for sure. Yeah. But now we get, <laughs> we get the deck with the signature on it. And that's going to be um, a fun story for us to talk about, especially our first world's back in three years. You get oh, no, <laughs> celebrations. What seemed to be bolt card 
as your your world championship deck at any capacity. Um, <laughs> but I think we've kind of grinded down the uh, Arceus Pikachu um, propaganda. But they did do a really cool thing after the finals where they traded Arceus in their own respective languages and signed them for each other. That, and, that's actually pretty cool. I did not know that. Yeah, that's a that's a super cool um, just level of sportsmanship. I'm sure these players were just overwhelmed to be back playing at Worlds in general, and for them to play the mirror and swap cards. That's just that. This is what Pokemon's all about, man. Making friends and and playing the game you love at the highest level. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And honestly, that's kind of a tradition that I would love to see continue. Honestly, I think that'd be really cool if like everyone did that from now on, just because that's what it's all about is like, yeah, Pokemon could be competitive. Um, I mean, we see it all the time. We watch it. It's all, it's I, to me, I was on the edge of my seat, like I said earlier, the entire day, but like end of the day, it's like, it's so fun just meeting new people and getting to play this game just as much as, you know, as much as we possibly can and just seeing where we can go with it. Oh, absolutely. I tend to agree. And I, I would very much so look forward to playing in my first worlds and just meeting in any personality whatsoever. Uh, and speaking of personalities, a huge shout out to the uh, TBCI, the Pokemon Company, and everyone that worked so hard on production for this event. It really did feel like a big homecoming, and they made it very, very special for spectators and players alike. Yeah, yeah, it was, um, I mean, the production quality was insane. I was in between rounds, I was on Twitter looking at all the tweets of all the players that were there and just seeing all the cool things that were set up. And it just seems like they spared no expense on this one. And I mean, granted, it is the world championship, but it just seems like they went above and beyond for that to bring back that three year hiatus. Yeah, it, it really came out swinging and it, it was fantastic to watch. Yeah, it was, I felt like I was very engaged into every single game, the color commentators, um, Joe, Puka, Frosted Caribou, Ethan Heggy, uh, Ross, and whoever else I might be possibly leaving out. You guys did a fantastic job keeping all the info at arm's reach for all of us. Yeah. All right. And then I'm going to throw an honorable mention out to Adam Hawkins from Great Britain uh, going six and two uh, in day two with Arceus, Agron, VMAX. Um, <laughs> taking 13th overall in the tournament with what's probably the equivalent of the most rogue deck. Uh, this was <laughs> insane to see. Uh, I don't believe it got any time on stream, but I definitely would have looked forward to seeing something like that. Yeah, yeah, it was... Um... Whenever I heard that Agron VMAX went this far, I just, I was shocked, honestly. I was like, what? what that, that card's playable that card's decent and uh i i didn't even know what it did i had to go back and read it after i heard and it's just like it's like okay i can kind of see that but not going that far like it seems like one of those like side uh decks the content creators make just for good you know just for content really yeah i i tend to agree with that as well uh it does have a favorable matchup against ice rider which did make a huge um presence at the world's tournament has tremendous one hit KO potential and everything 280 HP and below. I'm sure it does have some unfavorable matchups, but it's one of those decks that can operate relatively freely with Path to the peak. So uh, it's got that going for it as well. So uh, GG's Adam Hawkins for going six and two day two with Agron VMAX. Was there anything else in day two that 
kind of stood out to you that you want to talk about before we dive into juniors and seniors? Yeah, the um, the biggest thing for me was just the the round two matchup with Tord and Jose Marrero. Um, Jose is actually somewhat local to me, so um, oh, I see we have a little connection issue. Hmm? All right, so during this brief intermission, I'd like to tell you guys <laughs> to join the Pokedads Patreon. Uh, make sure you check them out. It's like $2 a month to get into our Discord and be a part of all of our monthly tournaments and stuff like that. So make sure you check out Patreon, Pokedads TCG. Drew, do you know if that's me that's got the bad connection or are you? Uh, you seem fine on my end and I'm the one recording it, so I'm sure that this is going to be okay. Are you running into issues hearing my audio? Uh, yeah, you got broke up a little bit and your screen went away or your uh, picture. Hmm. But uh, yeah, you've completely, your audio went away for a minute. I can hear you now. Okay, cool. So we'll, uh, we'll transition into what you were saying about. Uh, yeah. Aware. So, okay. So round two, um, the coolest, I think the, one of the more interesting things I saw was uh, against Tord versus Jose. Jose is a local of mine. So I've actually seen. Um, his Charizard flying Pikachu deck before um, he actually knocked me out of top eight uh, at a 2k tournament recently with the, the Charizard RCS deck. Um, but no, I, towards, towards a uh, Vika Volt, uh, Inteleon, Ludicolo deck was, uh, it was very interesting. It didn't seem to perform too well on, on screen, uh, on stream, but it, uh, it in theory, just looking at it, I can see where he was going with that, especially with all the Palkia running around. I mean, you're hitting big numbers, item locking them. It, it kind of is, it's one of those things where it's like, you wouldn't have expected that, but it's, uh, it makes sense. It's kind of one of those things like, it's like, oh, why did no one else think of that first? Um, but that's why these guys are pros. I mean, they think of stuff off the wall that just works out sometimes. And, um, and like I said, and then the Arceus, uh, Charizard flying Pikachu that Jose was playing, uh, just the fact that it's like, okay, you already see Arceus Charizard, but now there's a one, one, or I, I don't know if it's a one, one or a two, one or two, two, but the flying Pikachu, Pikachu in it, however, though. And that was just kind of cool to see that. Um, and I can see that for certain matchups, you know, especially going against Palkia matchup, uh, Reggie's like we saw on stream. Um, there, there was a lot of cool stuff. There was a lot of Palkia mir mirrors, but there was a lot of cool stuff at the same time. And that's, that's what Pokemon's all about at the end of the day. Yeah. I, I love, I love all the, the fun tech decks that came out, uh, of the wet work, obviously towards, uh, Vikavolt list. I really did like watching the Radiant Charizard loop deck, uh, that ran straight yeah. shady dealings and just kept Clara or, um, being able, like, what was it? It was Clara. It was a combination of uh, Ordinary Rod, Quick Ball, uh, so on and so forth, just to continue to cycle uh, the Radiant Charizard into play. And he did, at one point on stream, try to attack into Duraludon VMAX with no path in play uh, with the Twin Energy, which feels bad. That seems like a PTCGO yeah. mistake right there. But but other than that, it, it made for some really exciting gameplay, and I've definitely been dabbling in something similar on PTCGO after seeing that. Uh, I was definitely uh, inspired. So uh, everyone who played on stream 
outstanding job super fun love to see everything that everyone built even if you guys were playing just straight palkia and teleon i thoroughly enjoyed watching the mirror um we're gonna go ahead and talk about the uh, juniors and seniors winners uh juniors um was uh rukuto ohashi uh from japan played uh palkia ice rider uh the game boiled down to having the Leon or not and attacking with the uh, Palkia V-Star, and that actually made for a pretty exciting finish, left his uh, opponent with little to no comeback potential whatsoever. Yeah, this was um, actually one of the matches I did not get to see, but whenever I heard Palkia Ice Rider won, I was just kind of like, wow, it actually... Palkia Ice Rider is one of those decks where it's like, it's been good, but it was kind of seen as wildly inconsistent for a while. Um, and then just right here, we see, obviously, it just it won the juniors for the world championship. So it um, seems like people are starting to figure it out and that it's just it's it really is a good deck, good, powerful deck at the end of the day. Um, and especially adding that Leon to take that crucial knockout, like you said, um, I mean, taking those crucial knockouts and if you have nothing to come back from, then they're just going to run right over you uh, turn after turn. Yeah, I being able to, I think it hits upwards of 310 on Ice Rider with uh, Choice Belt and Leon, which is perfect for Mew VMAX, and it hits that 280 mark on the nose with a full bench um, with your good pal uh, Palkia V-Star. So I think the math just makes sense uh, running it that route. And then for seniors, um, Liam Halliburton from United States played Palkia Inteleon. Uh, very straightforward list, no uh, crazy spicy tech, but I think consistency is what it boiled down to. Um, Liam did play against Rapid Striker Ishifu that played like a four line of um, Irida, which definitely makes sense, but it didn't run Raihan, which I felt like it made for very slow um, rapid flow plays. So um, yeah, no, no discredit placed, no discredit placed whatsoever to Liam. You played outstanding uh but i think you definitely caught your opponent off guard um again uh palkia just seems to be like one of the most powerful cards that unfortunately has a bad matchup against flying pikachu but i think that we're gonna see a lot of palkia going forward oh yeah oh yeah it's just again going back to that whole consistency basis i mean it, even if you have a rough time with energies, uh, you know, it's V-Star ability just to bring three energies back from the discard pile is, I mean, that's wildly consistent. Even even going against a deck that plays Crushing Hammers, I mean, it's like, oh, they hammer it all away. Oh, well, like, it's, they're coming right back. So it's just, if Halkia is such a good, consistent, and strong deck, and, I mean, you, you see in all the lists playing the Echoing Horns, you see the Cross Switchers, you see just everything they need to just get around whatever you can do to set up. And it's, I mean, it's good for a reason and it's played a lot for a reason. And right. Here we see it one <laughs> <laughs> for sure. And I, I, I love that every card in the deck can attack. You know, I've seen, yeah. we saw a couple wave splashes on stream just for that, that 20 damage from Manaphy just to soften up your opponent's V star V max, what have you to bring them down to that range. And you still, uh, if they don't take the KO on Manaphy, you still have plenty of other uh, water Pokemon on the field to increase that damage base by Palkia. So I feel like it's just a deck that can't lose unless you get the jump on limiting that bench size. Or you're like that one person, uh, I forget who it was, but they prized six Pokemon on stream or something yes. like that. Yes, it was one of the Palkias and Top 8 Masters 
surprised like Tudrizile, uh, Palkia V-Star, and they're Kerbomitable. And I, I want to say the other card was their Hisuian Heavy Ball, which was what made it funnier. Yeah, no, I, so I think it was all six Pokemon, but then he, he like he did the Heavy Ball and it got in there and then he got it again, looked for it, so he was able to use it a couple times when he pulled it, but yeah, six Pokemon in the prize cards, that's just, man, uh, that's a rough go, especially on stream. Yeah, no, for sure. All right, so let's go ahead and talk about the Open. This is technically the first 2022-2023 event for our season. This is a CP awarding uh, event for players who are not competing in the uh, top eight or finals to go play in. And in the blue pod that had 551 masters in it, which is insane. Um, Your first place player was Owen uh, Cameraman. And they're from the Netherlands. They went 10 and 0 with Arceus flying Pikachu. And this list is kind of reminiscent of what you were talking about, Justin, uh, where they're running the Crobat VMAX. Yeah, yeah, I did notice that looking at the list um, that they're running that. Again, we see they're not running the barrels for consistency, which is, to me, it's just still so crazy that it's this deck, you know, it, I, I don't know if you meant, I didn't hear you mention it, but it went 10-0, so literally mm-hmm. won every single round, um, went 10-0 in the open with the 551 Masters, and there's no barrels, there's no Inteleons, it's just that you're relying on your consistency with your supporters, um, you see it plays a four count of Marnie, three professors research, four quick balls, four ultra balls. And then, then you've got a couple of the techs in there with the, the Roxanne and stuff like that. But I mean, it just, they just went for hyper consistency. Um, and then one thing I did notice, um, I actually noticed it in the, the Japanese players second place list is uh, the EVs that they're running. They're actually not running the traditional V search EV that a lot of people run. They're running the, um, the energy of the evolution one where when you evolve it, you can evolve another one. Um, so I kind of think that's interesting. Um, I was reading a tweet about that and it's just for the fact that um, you can get both out practically um, in one turn. So you have one down, you wait another turn, you evolve, you put the other one down and then evolve. Well, then you instantly get to evolve the other one. So now you have two on the bench that it, it just, it just makes sense. Now you have two threats versus one. And it's kind of one of those like, huh, why haven't we been playing this all along? Um, and maybe that's what added to the consistency. He just had the, the foot up on that or something. But um, yeah, I don't know. I just think that's interesting that they're playing that over that for this list, especially. I think if you spend a turn V searching and putting V Pokemon in your list, you might as well um, have lost the ability to utilize that EV at any capacity. So what, like what you were saying, uh, this makes more sense and i think in lineage with the battle vip pass that this player was running a three count of you're able to expedite those evs almost faster than your palkia matchup can set up greninja so yeah. it, it definitely does make sense because as soon as you get that first jolteon on the field there's two and you can starburst for however many memory capsules you decide to get out of that turn and it just, it blows me yeah. away the things that are people are bringing out of the wet work to really have that edge on Palkia. Exactly. And then, and then just the Pokemon counts too. I mean, this is a lot higher of a Pokemon count than we're used to seeing in decks with still being hyper consistent. I mean, the, the Crobats definitely help too with the early game. And that's why I like the Crobat VMAX too. So you can turn one, get that down and then evolve it into the VMAX. But yeah, it's just like, there's so many Pokemon. It's like, it, it's just, 
you got to know how to sequence right. And obviously this player definitely knows how to sequence right because they go went 10-0. That's crazy. Absolutely. And no no choice belts, no math fixers or anything like that. It's just membrane capsule. And that's it, man. Yeah. <laughs> so it, it tends to be very, you know, streamlined in that instance. Uh, Raymond Long took second place in the blue pod. There's no list for us to talk about because they were DQ'd based on a deck check. And that feels bad, but they did go 9-1-0 and oh in the open. So GG's to them. And then in the yellow pod, we had Arceus flying Pikachu again. Uh, Jake Santiago from... Uh, Canada went 9-1-0 with the same Arceus, Fine Pikachu, Jolteon, Thunderous Awakening package. Yeah, it's absolutely crazy. We do see in this one, um, I see, looks like he's playing, it's the altar of the Galarian Moltres V. So he is doing the, the V instead of, or the Galarian Moltres instead of the Crobat VMAX, which said, if you know how to play it right, then good on you. But I still, I really do like that Crobat V max a little bit more and maybe that was that one loss that he had could have made a full perfect 10-0 again if he had that crowbat v max <laughs> that's true i i suppose in a deck like this especially without running like an air balloon or anything to pivot with um that galarian Moltres start would be killer yeah yeah it's um i do see they run one switch it's the old e-reader copy in there this the picture we have here is the exact list um but i mean with only having one switch in the list, that's that's not a lot. If you get stuck with that in the active, and your opponent has like a path down, you know, it's it makes it a little difficult to to go anywhere if you do happen to start that. Yeah, I I tend to agree. But this deck is also running the uh, one of Luminion, which uh, the previous list did not feature. Uh, I'm sure that doesn't prove to be very problematic once uh, Thunderous Awakening is live. Uh, but being yeah. able to go search out that Marnie or Professor's Research, I would imagine, being very impactful mid to late game. Uh, Jake did play against uh, Taisi uh, Komoda, and I'm sorry if I butchered your name, uh, against a very consistent, uh, very, actually, maybe consistent is not the word I'm looking for, very tech-heavy um, Palkia. It ran solid amount of one-ofs. I mean, the cross switchers definitely ran a high count, but the canceling clone, the rare candy, uh, the, what was it? The, it's a big charm plus a choice belt. Like it, it was ba basically a marathon Palkia deck. And I feel like you just can't go wrong widening your bench and going ham. Yeah. Yeah. No, I do. I do like this. And for me personally playing Palkia, I kind of like this variant a little bit more, especially if you're playing the Intellion lines, Granted, uh, up until this tournament, I did not expect to see a lot of the uh, Thunderous Awakening Jolteons um, around, so maybe I'll have to change it up some. But yeah, just whenever you're running that, that heavy shady dealing line and you can just grab those techs whenever you need them, um, it just proves to be, you know, and you're hitting hard, hard large numbers, it just proves to be a, a force to reckon with, honestly. For sure, with the Thunderous Awakening coming in, coming back to life, if you will, or awakening in the meta, uh, do you think Tool Scrapper, Tool Jammer are going to be making a pretty large presence in these decks? Yeah, I actually do. Um, I So my populist, I've actually gone in and out with having a Tool Scrapper in it multiple times. Um, I seem to kind of lean towards the Tool Jammer, though, lately, just for the pure sake that it's, you know, it's a tool card and you can attach it. And a lot of people I see play the Tool Jammer as well. 
Um, but in that case too, I do think a lot of people are going to start running the tool scrapper one to get rid of the memory capsules, but also to get rid of the upcoming tool jammer that are going to be in everyone's list to go against that. So it's going to be kind of like a, you're going to have the people that run the tool jammer and the one that run the tool scrapper. And I think the tool scrapper is going to win over the tool jammer. Um, just because it's, you know, I don't know. I'm trying to think of the right way to say it. It's, uh, it's kind of more universal in a sense that you can get rid of big charms, choice belts, the every, everything you need to, whereas a tool jammer is really only going to help you in certain scenarios. Yeah, you would need to combo it with the boss or the cross switcher to be able to shut off the thunderous awakening to allow you to shady deal or uh, concealed cards that turn, given that the tool jammer would only work in the active. Uh, but I could see uh, a combination of tool jammer, tool scrapper, and the new lost sweeper card that allows you to discard a card from your hand to the lost zone and delete a stadium or tool um, off the field entirely. I think that's going to make uh, a pretty pretty big presence, especially with Thunderous Awakening being uh, as threatening as it is to the Shady Dealing. Uh, yeah, exactly. And especially um, yeah, going to the Lost Abyss set, that'll help with, um, you know, if your game plan is to get stuff in the Lost Zone anyways, now it's just a win-win for those decks. Yeah, for sure. And transitioning into the future of competitive Pokemon, we have some events coming up in September. Uh, we have Bilbo in September 17th or 18th, the same weekend. We have uh, Porto Alegre in Brazil, and then we have Baltimore here in the United States. Uh, do you think the meta is going to shake up a little bit between point A and point B being these events? Oh, that's so I want to say yes, but the answer is really going to be no, I think. Um, I, we just saw Arceus Pikachu, so ADP for the so the, those who saw the tweet. Um, I love it. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's so great. Um, we did just see that deck just, I mean, absolutely dominate. Um, even the next day with the Open, it just dominated again. Um, and it really dominated because, it, one, it's got great type coverage. It's got great answers to everything. And it's just... Uh, I don't know. I think it's, it's only weaknesses itself, honestly. And that's enough for people to continue to play it. It's like, okay, so if I come across an RC's flying Pikachu, I'm just going to try to hit first with my flying Pikachu, you know, and right. to take out their flying Pikachu. It's just, so I think we're going to see a lot of that still. I think you'll see a little variation with it, you know, um, with the small showing that Mew had, maybe people taking out those dark techs. Um, I personally keep them in, um, but I think we'll see some of that. Um, I do think we're going to see a lot more of the, like you said, kind of the the scrappers and stuff like that into decks just to combat the Thunderous Awakening. I think we're just going to see a resurgence of Thunderous Awakening um, in general. I think a lot more people are going to try to th fit it into different decks to combat the Palkia matchups. Um, and then I also do think we're going to see a big swing in Steel Pokemon, um, like you did the honorable mention um, with the Agron, um, I personally, when I saw that, I was in my mind, I was like, why did they just play Corbic Knight? Well, I think we're going to actually see maybe a resurgence of Corbic Knight because we're also seeing the resurgence of Ice Rider um, because people are playing the Pikachu. It's kind of one of those like, okay, this person's countering that, so I'm going to counter that, so I'm going to add this, and it's just it's that never-ending puzzle and stuff like that. But, you know, Palkia to counteract the, the Pikachu is going to put in the Ice Rider. Well, people now are going to start playing some Steel Variants to counteract the Ice Rider. And, you know, and then it's just going to go round, round and round and round. All of a sudden, Fire Decks are going to get a buff again and all this, and, you know, all the, all the fun stuff. 
Absolutely. No, I, I, I think that you're spot on with all those predictions for sure. I think that in this format, the only way for you to kind of maneuver around the Palkia deck without having to use your water abilities is to streamline something that can operate freely with path and play in the form of Ice Rider Calyrex. So you're probably spot on there for sure. Uh, with the combination of things like Melanie or using the Leon for turn to get up to that 310 marker with the uh, Choice Belt attached as well helps you against Flying Pikachu um, in a small proximity, I suppose. But it, you're probably spot on with how that's going to go. I think that we're going to run into a heavier switch format as well. Uh, so ropes, switch, to be able to uh, kind of maneuver around the way that these um, block phase or these flying Pikachus kind of suppress all of these decks by having um, you know text along with their attacks and so on and so forth. I think that that's going to be a huge thing. I think Manaphy's are going to stay in decks for sure because of yeah. how good uh, this uh, Radiant Greninja is. I mean, a lot of people are swearing off that Urshifu is still prominent. Jolteon's going to make a comeback, but it's really Radiant Greninja if you're running Shady Dealings decks. But the, um, yeah. the, uh, I would say the archetype that I think is going to be, make the biggest resurgence is probably something along the lines of that uh, Shady Dealings Radiant Charizard loop deck. And you can squeeze that same style of play into these liminal decks that run the baby Galarian Moltres, that run the Rowlets, the, the Hoopas for the Meloetta trade, and so on and so forth. And they make for very impactful gameplay and only give up one prize at a time. So you can be a little bit more free to widen your bench because you're realistically only giving up one prize every turn. And if you spend one turn taking a huge one-hit knockout on things like Palkia, it doesn't matter what weakness they're swinging for. Uh, Radiant Charizard is going to be able to get you prizes. Yeah, yeah, the, that that one prize deck is definitely something that's on my radar and actually start testing. Um, just because, I mean, we saw its power on stream. Other than the the one mess up, I mean, it's just it's crazy how fast it can get going. Um, you know, and everything in it is an attacker. I mean, even your Intellions, uh, Intellion line literally is an attacking line in that deck. I mean, it's just, it's, it's all around good. It's got answers to a lot of the main decks. So I do think that's something we'll actually see a lot of as well. Um, I mean, even just on the, the Twitter sphere, I've seen so many people talking about their testing it and playing it and how good it is, how confusing it can be, but also how good it is once you learn how to play it. And yeah, it's just, I, I do think giving up one prize to two and or three every turn is just, it's a, it's a good winning combo. I, I tend to agree. A lot of comeback potential and we, uh, before we kind of transition out, we did get a little bit of news about EX Pokemon coming back to the scene. So I feel like yeah. in terms of comeback potential, there's a lot to be had there. Oh, yeah. Yep, that's the, um, something that's from my, you know, I started playing, um, so, or started playing again, I should say, in like the XY era. And so I saw the, I went through the EX era and stuff like that. And it was just it's kind of cool to see it coming back and I'm interested to see what kind of twist that they put on it too. Yeah, I tend to agree. And we'll, we'll probably save that for another episode. Once we get a little bit more info. Um, lastly, Peoria, I am going to be at this event because it happens to be the day after Rick's wedding and I'll be in the, uh, the middle Illinois area. Uh, but lost origin will be legal for this event. What do we think is going to happen, man? I mean, I think I think Palkia stays good. Yeah, yeah, I think Palkia stays good. I think 
Um, RCSD is good. Obviously, RCSD is good, just depending what kind of variant it's going to be. Who knows? Um, you do a lot more future testing than I do. Um, I got to admit, so you know a lot more about it than I will. Um, I do think uh, just from the history of how Pokemon goes is kind of the poster child um, that everyone thinks before it comes out that's going to be insanely good and insanely broken usually doesn't perform as well as everyone expects it to. Um, I don't know if that's because everyone's already prepared for it by the time it comes out or what, but um, this one kind of seems to be still a little different. It seems like it's actually going to be better than what a lot of us naysayers are thinking. Um, and I don't know, it's going to be hard to see what actually does well at these regionals. I think you're going to see a lot of people come with their tried and true because this will be the first Lost Origin regional um, or Lost Origin legal regional. Um, and that's just because, you know, they don't do as much theory testing and things like that. Um, but, you know, you've got your, your pro players and stuff like that who have been testing this forever already. They already know what they're going to be bringing to this event and things like that. So, um, so it will be interesting for sure. Um, do you have any kind of predictions what you think might be good? Um, I, I think that it'd be silly to count out something along the lines of Arceus Giratina. It hits the perfect numbers. It only gives up two prizes for swinging for such a high damage range. Uh, you can combo in as many uh, double turbo energies as you see fit and discard one at a time to fulfill uh, Giratina's put two energy in the loss zone. Uh, little additive, if you will. So I think maybe it doesn't steer super heavy into the Lost Origin engine, but it's still a deck that has no weakness. So it's got that going for it a lot like Duraludon does and hits the perfect numbers. Uh, because it is Psychic and uh, Grass for energy fulfillment, you can almost tech around whatever the meta throws at you. Um, and then you're running Arceus. So if you wanted to run Giratina Flying Pikachu, you absolutely could. And it makes me just just a little bit weary of where the the format would go at that point but uh i think we'll just know a lot more as we're coming into it i think that anything arceus is probably still going to stay pretty relevant unless we get like a colorless awakening that like shuts down colorless pokemon's abilities yeah so you can't starbirth or uh industrious incisor all right so that is the end of our world show uh, Justin, thank you for taking the time to come hang out and talk shop with me. Uh, where can our listeners back home find you? And, you know, just kind of let us know. Yeah, so um, I'm prim primarily on Instagram. Uh, Pokebrews is my tag handle on that. Um, I'm on there a lot more. You know, feel free to message me, reach out. I do a lot of um, decks that I played throughout, you know, different tournaments and stuff like that. A lot of retro decks um things like that um obviously beer and card pairings because my name is pokey brews um and then you can also find me on twitter at pokey brews tcg um i'm on there every once in a while not super often um i kind of just you know if i'm at a tournament i'll post how i'm doing things like that retweet some stuff but um but yeah if you try to contact me pokey brews on instagram is the easiest way and if you reach me through twitter i'll get back to you eventually <laughs> Right. And uh, we'll have your link tree in the description of the show. So if people want to go use your uh, TCG affiliate link or your Swift Lifestyles link, uh, absolutely do that. He's partnered with all the prestigious companies and you get a little bit of a, a discount for knowing the dude. Yeah, thank you for that. Thank you for that shout out. I, I wasn't going to plug it, but, you know, thank you. <laughs> 
no, no, no. I got you. We got you. All right. And then uh, that basically concludes our uh, world's episode. Uh, thank you all for listening and have a fantastic evening. We'll see you guys after Baltimore. Sounds great. And if you can hear my 